My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, The Story Podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 61, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, Numbers 10, Deuteronomy 10, and Psalm 93. Numbers 10. The Lord said to Moses, Make two trumpets of hammered silver, and use them for calling the community together, and for having the camp set out. When both are sounded, the whole community is to assemble before you at the entrance to the tent of meeting. If only one is sounded, the leaders, the heads of the clan of Israel, are to assemble before you. When a trumpet blast is sounded, the tribes camping on the east are to set out. At the sounding of a second blast, the camps on the south are to set out. The blast will be a signal for setting out. To gather the assembly, blow the trumpets, but not with the signal for setting out. The sons of Aaron, the priests, are to blow the trumpets. This is to be a lasting ordinance for you and the generations to come. When you go into battle in your own land against an enemy who is oppressing you, sound a blast on the trumpets. Then you will be remembered by the Lord your God and rescued from your enemies. Also, at your times of rejoicing, your appointed festivals and new moon feasts, you are to sound the trumpets over your burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, and they will be a memorial for you before your God. I am the Lord your God. On the 20th day of the second month of the second year, the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle of the covenant law. Then the Israelites set out from the desert of Sinai and traveled from the place to place until the cloud came to rest in the desert of Paran. They set out the first time at the Lord's command through Moses. The divisions of the camp of Judah went first under their standard. Nishan, son of Amminadab, was in command. Nethanel, son of Zoar, was the other division of the tribe of Issachar. And Eliab, son of Helon, was over the division of the tribe of Zebulun. Then the tabernacle was taken down, and the Gershonites and Merarites who carried it set out. The divisions of the camp of Reuben went next, under their standard. Elazar, son of Shador, was in command. Shalumalel, son of Zurishadi, was over the division of the tribe of Simeon. And Elisaph, son of Duel, was over the division of the tribe of Gad. Then the Kaathites set out carrying the holy things. The tabernacle was to be set up before they arrived. The divisions of the camp of Ephraim went next under their standard. Elishama, son of Amehud, was in command. Gamaliel, son of Petazur, was over the division of the tribe of Manasseh. And Abadan, son of Gidonoi, was over the division of the tribe of Benjamin. Finally, as the rear guard for all the units, the divisions of the camp of Dan sat out under their standard. Ahazur, son of Amenishadai, was in command. Pagiel, son of Okran, was over the division of the tribe of Asher, and Ahira, son of Anan, was over the division of the tribe of the Naphtali. This was the order of the march for the Israelite divisions as they set out. Now Moses said to Hobab, son of Ruel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, we are setting out for the place about which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us and we will treat you well, for the Lord has promised good things to Israel. He answered, no, I will not go. I'm going back to my own land and my own people. 
But Moses said, Please do not leave us. You know where we should camp in the wilderness, and you can be our eyes. If you come with us, we will share with you whatever good things the Lord gives us. So they set out from the mountain of the Lord and traveled for three days. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord went before them during those three days to find them a place to rest. The cloud of the Lord was over them by day when they set out from the camp. Whenever the ark set out, Moses said, Rise up, Lord. May your enemies be scattered. May your foes flee before you. Whenever it came to rest, he said, Return, Lord, to the countless thousands of Israel. Deuteronomy 10. At that time, the Lord said to me, Chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones and come up to me on the mountain. Also make a wooden ark. I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Then you are to put them in the ark. So I made the ark out of acacia wood and chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up on the mountain with the two tablets in my hands. The Lord wrote on these tablets what he had written before, the Ten Commandments he had proclaimed to you on the mountain out of the fire on the day of the assembly. And the Lord gave them to me. Then I came down to the mountain and put the tablets in the ark I had made as the Lord commanded me, and they are there now. The Israelites traveled from the wells of Bnei Jachon to Moraha. There Aaron died and was buried, and Eleazar, his son, succeeded him as priest. From there, they traveled to Gadgoa and on to Jutbotha, a land with streams of water. At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister and to pronounce blessing in his name, as they still do today. This is why the Levites have no share or inheritance among their fellow Israelites. The Lord is their inheritance, and as the Lord your God told them. Now I had stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights, as I did the first time, and the Lord listened to me at this time also. It was not his will to destroy you. Go, the Lord said to me, and lead the people on their way, so that they may enter and possess the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience? to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. To the Lord your God belongs the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors and loved them, and he chose you, their descendants, above all the nations as it is today. Circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the causes of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him and take your oaths in his name. He is the one you praise. He is your God who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. Your ancestors who went down into Egypt were 70 in all, and now the Lord your God has made you numerous as the stars of the sky. Psalm 93, the Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established, firm and secure. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. The seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up their voices. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves, mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days.
To orient our part of the story today, Numbers and Deuteronomy are the part of the first five books of the Bible, which taken together in Hebrew are called the Torah and means the law, or in Greek, they are called the Pentateuch, where penta means five and tuch means scrolls, so five scrolls. Dr. Tim Mackey taught me on the Bible Project podcast that the earliest reference was Torah Moshe, mid-100, about 100 AD, and the Torah of Moses is how it was referenced. And that's also how like Ezra and Nehemiah other biblical authors reference back to these books. The point being that the biblical authors, they they connect these five books together and they do not reference them individually like we do, like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, but collectively as the Pentateuch or the Torah. They're connecting it as one like saga or story together. That's interesting and it affects how we read and think about all the things that we've been reading so far. So in Numbers 10, we get that feeling just before you're about to leave on a big trip. You're about to leave. The plane is about to depart. And because of all the stories so far, there's also this sense of, will they or won't they? Will they trust God and follow him? Or will they doubt and drift? Again, ah, it's like I want to think that's them and not me. But this is the question over our lives too. What will we do today? Will we trust and respond in the what, where, why, and how we do things today, or will we go our own way? As a reminder, the part of Deuteronomy we are reading is speeches by Moses to the Exodus generation. It's like the next generation after the Mount Sinai one, because something went terribly wrong, if you recall, at the end of Numbers, and the older generation could not enter the promised land for their lack of faith in trying to do things their own way. But here, they're they're being told to stay in the wilderness in training. Remember, wilderness in words, training, Uh, listening, remembering, responding in preparation for the next generation and for the mission at hand. Dr. Tim Mackey from the Bible Project describes how this generation would have been unique because they would not have lived in slavery in Egypt, but only heard stories about it. And they wouldn't have stayed at Mount Sinai, but they would have been nomadic. So Dr. Tim Mackey describes Moses' speeches in this part of the story as these passionate sermons to this nomadic generation, not to be like the last one in the unfaithfulness aspect, reminding them who God is, reminding them that their greatest defense is coming close to the details of God, remembering and at the greatest risk that the greatest risk is forgetting, drifting into an alienated state mistrusting that God's way isn't the best because we know that it, it is the best and it leads to flourishing because the, the alternative risk is that you choose a state of dislocation in your heart where we mistrust that God himself is enough. But maybe we know better and can do it on our own? No. We must remember and respond putting God and as our like North Star and all the guides and all the guardrails he recommends in place to keep those because there are our only two choices. We either submit to God or we submit to adversarial place and condition. Doing our own thing our own way isn't a third option because we live in God's story. He doesn't live as a peripheral or secondary part of ours. God is either centered to our story or we're dislocated from him. Deuteronomy ends with God and his will wanting to bless and us failing or people in the story failing. It will require an act of grace and transformation. And Dr. Tim Mackey states the word love is used more in the book of the Old Testament in Deuteronomy here than any other book in the Old Testament. So love is going to play an important part of grace and transformation. 
Dr. Mackey explains the world, the word love is used the most in the book of John overall in the Bible. So book of John, love is used the most frequently if you're looking at the whole Bible. But Deuteronomy is the second. And I think that's pretty cool because I think often people think the New Testament is more focused on love and the Old Testament is more focused on justice. But there's this really unique you know, aspect of Deuteronomy where love is the book with the second most frequently word usage of love. And it is the number one book using the word love in the Old Testament. So cool. At the end of Deuteronomy, we're being asked to stop the rebellion, stop the moral defection. We've been doing this against God from the very beginning. And they, and we as well, are being reminded that we're God's heritage. And as Dr. Miller describes, God's permanent possession or inheritance, which cannot be lost. In Deuteronomy 10, there is this sense of renewal with two fresh tablets and an ark of wood. The 10 words or commandments are written by God himself. There's also this seeming like pause in Moses' sermon to explain that Aaron dies. Uh, we're not given the expl- explanation why here. I link an article in the show notes by Dr. David Ben Gad Hakoan, who points to the oddities and the placement and the change from first to third person and the seemingly different location of this insertion. He explores the, the relevance and possibilities. And we'll talk more about Aaron and his death when we get to Numbers 33. This part of Deuteronomy is emphasizing the seriousness of idolatry and God's mercy and grace in response to Moses' prayer. Dr. Miller describes this emphasis on God's love spurring on the people to live for him because the call to commitment is radical. There's this shift, too, in circumcision being described in the heart, which anatomically is not where people are circumcised. So the nature of what it means is being made clearer and this foreshadowing of how God's love will transform us through what Jesus will do and the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's being softly introduced without those details yet. And I love this too because I am a woman. I cannot be circumcised. So this shift to describing it as a transformation of the heart where all humans are being grafted in is so cool. And again, it's laying this foundation for how we know Gentiles, everyone will be invited into the story and grafted in as we move through the New Testament. There's also something decisive about circumcision being emphasized. It's a change, a permanent change, and we're to hold fast to the one that we have put in authority over our lives, who always had authority, but he's asking us to volunteer it and and give it to him. The one who wants to be in relationship with us, pull us close, bless us, prepare a special place, give us a special purpose and gifts to share gifts to share gifts. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.